the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Going up on a Tuesday, terrible tune Tuesday in the eight o'clock hour. Jay Walker will be in studio. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast scheduled to join me via the phone line at seven fifteen. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Smile. You're alive. Enjoy it. You know, news came out last night that further illustrated something that I have harped on for years. All rules are not created equal. All unwritten rules are not created equal. And in the case of the court of public opinion, when it comes to cheating in sports, all sports are not equal. There are some things that for many, not all, for many, they're just acceptable. Been acceptable for years. Right? Been acceptable for years. You cheat, you take steroids in baseball, look out. You can be the best player of all time. Do it at a time when everyone's doing it and you got no shot at the Hall of Fame. And you will be vilified. You do it in the sport of cycling, well, you can be vilified, but everybody else is doing it, so you got to do it to get by. But if you if you prop yourself up and act like this icon and are an icon, turns out you were cheating and then you lied about cheating and then you, you, good luck coming back from that. You get popped for PEDs in baseball, well, you're going to miss half a season, maybe more depending on how many times you do it. You do it in football? The discussion isn't, oh my God, now we're viewing this player totally differently. What a cheater. No, no. It's how is it going to impact that team when they're done? That's that's what it is. DeAndre Hopkins, the best wide receiver in the NFL, six-game suspension announced last night for PED use. You don't think that impacts the Cardinals? Last year, they were 1-4 and four without him. They averaged 18 points a game without him. Whenever they had him, it was 30. Kyler Murray's completion percentage was 63% without him, 71% with him in the lineup. I know it's a little deeper than that because, it, you know, your opponent and everything else, but come on, guys, that is those are some staggering differences that are way too wide to ignore. So will it impact the Cardinals? Sure, of course. 
and that's part of the discussion. But that immediately became the discussion. It was it it it, it wasn't about his legacy. It wasn't. Oh, I guess he's not the best receiver in the NFL anymore. You know what I mean? You violate a PED policy in baseball, you are vilified. You go from famous to infamous. In football, it it doesn't really even impact your legacy. It doesn't. Look, Saints fans, you like Mark Ingram. You love Mark Ingram, right? Good for good for Mark. I like Mark Ingram. All-time leading rusher for the Saints. Remember a few years ago, got suspended for four games, first four games of the season, PED. People weren't mad at him because, oh, shame on you and, and what kind of example you used to. Saints fans are just mad. They're like, oh, man, it might cost us a game or two. Come on, Mark. Well, why is that? I don't know. It just is, and it's not going to change. In certain sports... Baseball, track and field, Olympics, PED use is a, it might as well be a heinous crime, right? Let's expunge all their records. Take them. There's no shot at the Hall of Fame. You don't think DeAndre Hawkins is going to the Hall of Fame one day? Sure he is. Not all rules are created equal. Not all rules in the court of public opinion are created equal, and not all unwritten rules are created equal, especially in the world of sports. PED use in the NBA, eh, not that big a deal. In the court of public opinion. PED use in the Olympics, throw throw them in prison. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. First thing I thought of last night. Cardinals fans, though, they were thinking of, oh, my God, what's this going to do to our offense for six games in this division? Eek. I get that. The ramifications are going to hurt that team. But in terms of long-term legacy, all that stuff, eh, blip on the radar. Little side note. Nothing big. Phone lines are open before we bring Andrew Jujon at 715-337-269-1077. You can holler at me. Tyron Matthew is officially on the Saints. We're going to get into that. Officially. I guess he hasn't inked the deal yet, but come on. It's official. He's going to the Saints. We're going to talk some Cajun baseball and softball in the 8 o'clock hour with Jay Walker, among other things. NIL versus transfer portal. How the two are elevating one another in the world of college sports. Where, what does the future look like for that? We'll also induct a new tune into the TTT Hall of Fame. Plenty in store for you this morning on the Great Scott Show. I mentioned the phone lines. Let's head to them. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Good morning, man. Uh, it, sometimes I feel like you uh, you read you read my mind uh, before I call in. I was literally going to bring up the fact that I, I was going to ask you, don't you think it's kind of weird that NFL players can do stuff and they like – I have no idea how it happened, and it's always like some trace element, and then like it goes from six games to four games, and then no one remembers it by Thanksgiving. But in baseball, it's like there's like a front page article in some sports magazine. The guy's written off from baseball, 
you got a massive article about how baseball is being destroyed. You got documentaries about how baseball is being destroyed, and football just keeps on chugging. It just it just blows my mind, man. But what I really what I was really calling about was, um, you know, I know you're gonna talk to this guy about you know the same thing about Tyron Matthew, but I guess my question is is you know, how do you see him and Marcus May working together? Because I, I feel like from watching them, they seem to play the same kind of style of safety. The, and kind, the, kind, of, of, the like, kind of style that Dennis Allen loves, by the way. Yeah, but 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 I mean, like, neither of them seem like an over-the-top guy, like a, the guy who's going to stay deep. They seem like both of the kind of guys that come up closer and more about, well, like, jarring they, they're, they're So they don't have a safety that can cover the ground that Marcus Williams covered. They don't. They don't. Yeah. What they do have are three players that in their careers have played multiple spots in the secondary. Free, strong, up close in the box, get dirty at the line of scrimmage, make things happen, and you know, they can they can get back in coverage when they need to. Are they as rangy as as Williams was in that regard? No, but they they do other things better, uh like tackling. And I think for Dennis <laughs> Allen and what he likes to do defensively, he loves to have the DBs that can do multiple things. And now you have it in Matthew, you have it in May, and you have it in, in, in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I mean, they, can, they, can, they essentially can become an extra linebacker as well as a safety on the back end, and he loves that kind of versatility. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of a give and take. I mean, I think the, the deep ball against the Saints might be slightly more prevalent, but I think... Some of the turnovers, some of the playmaking, some of the sure tackling, some of look get in the box. It's it's uh, it's it's maybe third and four. Are they going to run? Are they going to pass? You know all that. I, I think I think you improve in a lot of those things. I mean, and and the reality is, I mean, Matthew is a ball hawk. Twenty six interceptions, thirteen just in the last three seasons in Kansas City. You know, and yep. and, and Dennis Allen's going to let him be really aggressive, really opportunistic, and, and I think. You know, I, there weren't a, the off season kind of has played out slowly for the team. But one 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 thing they needed to address in the draft they didn't was safety, and and maybe it's because they knew all along Matthew was was coming. Maybe this was just hey, we're gonna wait till this date so it doesn't mess with potential compensatory stuff. We're just gonna hang on here and and there you go. Yeah, I, I think it'll work. I mean, I'm sure. Listen, I'm not Dennis Allen, so I know he knows what he's doing. It's just the first thing I thought of was like, man. Both of these guys are like guys who deplete people. These are both like really opportunistic safeties. These are guys who are not afraid to do the dirty work, but neither of them are like been known as a rangy cover safety. And so I just didn't know how that was going to fit. And I just I think, to I think the good thing that. about I think I think I think something else that plays into it too is that I mean Marshawn Lattimore is is good man to man. He really is, and I think Adebo showed last year he can be as well. Um, you know, guys start going down, and now you're playing more zone, or you're not leaving cornerbacks quote on an island as much. Then it can start to to get to you a little bit. But I, I think I think part of it is they have a lot of trust in Adebo after last year. Um, I don't know if Elante Taylor's good or not at corner. We'll see. But one thing that stood out to me when they drafted him in the second round was, oh. The discussion's already, is he a corner? Is he a safety? The Saints said very clearly he's a corner. But you know Dennis Allen. He, he'll, 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 P.J. Williams can play safety in corner, right? Like, you see the trend with a lot of these DBs on the Saints. Some are better than others, right? There's a gap between Tyron Matthew and P.J. Williams. No disrespect to P.J., but 
it's it, you see the trend. You see what they want to do there and what Dennis Allen wants to do. And so he'll figure it out. I mean, the fact that they have similar skill sets, I don't, I don't think Dennis Allen's looking at that as, oh, no, what do I do? I think he's saying, now I got more of something I like. Right. This is now I get to put more sugar on my frosted flakes instead of, oh, no, there's too much sugar on my frosted flakes. I think I think (laughs) I think Dennis Allen likes a whole lot of sugar on his frosted flakes. Well, I think our buddy Norm uh, is going to be awfully quiet for a while because he was real quick to throw salt and shade when he saw that the Saints were like hurting at certain positions and he was just all excited about it. But, you know, Josh, I I, I, got it. I'm sorry, man. And and I saw you tweeted him. Did you just say you think Norm is going to be quiet for a little while? That's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said on this radio station. Come on. And the reason why, well, maybe he won't be quiet, but he's got a lot less to talk about because I noticed on Get Up they said that, you know, uh, Olavsky rated his top five teams in the NFC, and he had the Saints at three and the Eagles at five. But Norm didn't make a shot at the Saints. He said, Eagles at, Eagles at five, what the heck, or something like that. Yeah, you, you, but he never mentioned the same. You're giving, and you're I giving think him too much credit. Now. You're giving him too much credit. <laughs> Come on now. We'll see. Though. We'll see. All right, man. Have a good one. Appreciate the call, Josh. Good stuff. You know, that's a good question we can get into with Andrew Jude, who watches the film in regards to Matthew May, how it's going to fit, things like that. It's all coming your way next. Jude joins me. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com. And the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you. The friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com. And the ESPN Lafayette app app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Happy to have you with me on this Tuesday morning. Andrew Juge is uh, not answering. You know, this happens to me sometimes, guys. A little too early for some folks. We'll see if we can get Juge on a little bit later this hour. In the meantime, I ain't going anywhere. 337-269-1077. Phone lines are open discussing the um, PED reaction from sport to sport, what it means, as well as... Tyron Matthews signing with the Saints. Going to get into some uh, UL stuff. Good bit in the 8 o'clock hour with Jay Walker. And uh, some transfer portal and NIL discussion. Out of the NBA last night, two, two games that were not too memorable. I mean, Sixers lasted a few quarters without Joel Embiid. But, I mean, the Heat, man, there's some, there's some talks, dude. I mean, you bet you you from a defensive standpoint, how could Philly possibly win this series without Joel Embiid? Honestly. It's going to be a quick series. Suns, Mavs, Doncic's 45 points. He was shooting like crazy. The Suns are like, eh, whatever, no problem. 
121-114, I'm telling you, if you didn't watch, it was not close. It was not close. I, I, statement wins last night from the one seed in each conference. All right, let's circle back to what I started with for a moment. And that is different rules for different sports, right? Not all rules are created equal. In the world of sports, in the world in general, in the court of public opinion. In baseball, you can be vilified. In base, in Olympics, you, some countries, they'll, they'll put you in jail. Track and field, cycling, even though it's one of the dirtiest sports in the world from a PED standpoint. Right? Legacies destroyed. Now there are there are some exceptions or there is there is there is an evolution to this. I mean, A-Rod is one of the more hated baseball players in history during his time, if you just look at specifically for his era, disliked maybe, I'll put it that way. And now he's in there and reinvented himself as a broadcaster and people don't like him, but oh, there he is. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they're not in the Hall of Fame. Ortiz is, as Jay, one of our listeners, pointed out to me. He emailed, he said, as long as you're, as long as you're docile, you'll make the Hall of Fame. But to, to that point, why is it different sport to sport? The answer is media. It is the media. It is. If you don't think it drives the opinion of many, the way the steroid era was covered is about as hypocritical as you can get from a media standpoint. Folks don't bring that up much. It's just, well, you know, he cheated a whole bunch. You shouldn't be in the hall. And it was different back before. You don't think there are people in the Baseball Hall of Fame that did steroids? Including Big Pappy? How the media covers a specific sport, and in baseball you had a lot of older writers who loved the long ball, who were celebrating Sosa, who were celebrating McGuire, who probably did very well in their careers during the big chase for 62 and everything else that surrounded it and then all cried foul when it was oh my god i can't believe all these steroids everywhere the numbers are too inflated the numbers are too big shame 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 in the nfl i mean sean merriman rookie of the year defensive stud all this stuff suspended for four games everybody's like okay that's fine whatever deandre hopkins best receiver in the game PED suspension, the immediate talk is, how's it going to affect the Cardinals? Not, well, he's definitely not the best receiver in the NFL anymore, and we got to take him off of this list, and, and now we can't. No. The discussion is the Cardinals, and okay, now what round do you do in fantasy football because, oh, my God, he's going to miss six games. How are the leagues covered? How does the media respond to certain, eh, Forms of cheating. Andrew Juge, my friend from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, is uh, is on deck right now. As promised, we're going to talk some Saints with him. I think we got him on hold. Let's bring him aboard. The Great Scott Show.
Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. If you haven't listened to the big show last night, um, uh, entertaining is the word I would use to describe it. But he is the uh, co-owner and host of the Saints Happy Hour. You guys, of course, know Ralph from being on the show plenty. And uh, Andrew also digs into the film and watches it and has covered the Saints for many years. Good morning, Andrew. What's going on, man? Good morning, Scott. Yeah, listen, it's uh, it's been quite a quite a. I guess we'll call it a, a week almost now for the Saints, uh, just with uh, obviously the draft, which was huge, and being able to secure a couple great players, and then obviously uh, the Honey Badger coming to New Orleans, coming back to New Orleans, we'll say, uh, as a native. But, uh, you know, I think the uh, how you look at what the Saints look like as a team has changed a lot over the last few days, and uh, I think there's a lot of optimism, and we're certainly feeling that. Let's start with the big one, Tyron Matthew. Happened yesterday while I was on the air, and I just immediately thought about Dennis Allen being more excited than anyone else. And that's not just because he's the head coach. It's because this is a former DB coach. This is a defensive coordinator. This is a guy that's still going to be calling the defense as a head coach. And one thing, one trend that, that you know is pretty evident is he likes DBs that are Swiss Army knives, right, That can that can play a number of different spots that maybe don't have – an overwhelming weakness in one specific area that you have to hide. Sure, they might be stronger in some areas than others. So with Marcus May, with Matthew, with C.D. Deuce, right, C.J.G.J., there's some versatility there. Um, I'll ask you, I guess my first question is what a listener asked me. I gave my response. I want yours as somebody that watches the film, Andrew. Matthew and May, similar players, like in terms of what they want to do, and how does Dennis Allen maybe defend the the uh, the deep ball when it comes to playing these DBs that maybe they don't do it as well as Marcus Williams did, but they do some other things better than he did too. Yeah, different kind of players uh, from each other and from Marcus Williams, I think. Um, and Tyron Matthew, I think, you first of all, you have a great leader, very tough, tough player, uh, a guy that loves to talk trash a little bit like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a guy that will try to get in the head of his opponents, a guy that plays with emotion, um, but uh, he's a ball hawk, and I, you, I think fans, local fans, remember that from his days at LSU. You know, he, he's a guy that uh, can make a play on a ball, uh, that'll jump routes, uh, that, that just has tremendous IQ, is really good at anticipating, and uh, you know, as good as Marcus Williams was at that, I, I think on some level, Matthew is better. Uh, I, I think just at being a ball hawk, he just has better anticipation, uh, and, and he's better at maybe tricking quarterbacks into making throws that they think they see are there uh, and then closing that lane pretty quickly. Marcus Williams certainly had better range. Uh, just when you look at his physical attributes and his ability to close and uh, his ability to cover uh, half the field uh, just with his range, I don't know that Matthew has that same kind of foot speed, right. uh, but he makes up for it with his anticipation and his IQ. You know, Marcus may maybe a little bit more physical of a guy, less of a ball hawk. He's not a guy that has a ton of, interceptions or has made a ton of plays in his career in terms of turnovers, uh, but a very good safety in terms of his physical ability. Uh, and both, like you said, are versatile. And I, I think that really is Dennis Allen's dream with Marcus Williams. You really have a player where he's your high safety pretty much at all times. And uh, there's not a whole lot of smoke and mirrors there in terms of where you place him. Uh, you can't really move him around. He really is a high post safety pretty much all the time. Whereas with Matthew and May, you kind of have two guys that are maybe a little bit more interchangeable. They can both play in the box. They can both cover the slot. 
they can both play the high post. So uh, they, they have that versatility that you talk about. And I think that's really intriguing and, and uh, appealing to Dennis Allen because, like you said, he, he has the opportunity to move them around a lot pre-snap. And so uh, you never know from one play to the next if one of the two might be blitzing, uh, which one's going to be the, the free safety depending on the play call. And so I think they're in a good position. And and when you talk about other guys, like you said, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams, Bradley Roby, I think these guys all qualify as guys that can cover, uh, that they can they can play the, the slot position, they can play at safety. And so they've got a number of versatile players, and I think this just opens up the playbook for Dennis Allen from, from play call to play call to kind of be more versatile. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, Andrew Juge, our guest. So, Andrew, with that being said, um, defensively, what in your mind outside of Tyron Matthew is the 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 going to be the biggest difference in the defense next season? Right? Is it is it Peyton Turner maybe being healthy? Is it is it something on the D line other than Matthew? He's the I guess what's number two on the list of okay, this offseason move is going to pay the biggest dividends next season. Well, I, I think Pete Werner, as a full-time starter entrenched next to Demario Davis, is going to be really interesting to see because I, I think he played a very limited role last year, and in his limited snaps, I thought he was absolutely tremendous. And while I, I think Quan Alexander was a nice piece and a nice player for the Saints, especially in pass coverage, I think Pete Werner can take this defense to another level because I think he's a much better run defender than some of the guys that were in there at times last year. And so, look, the Saints defense has been a a top three run defense. They were number one, I believe, last year, number one or number two. But they've been top three against the run for the last several years. And the big part of the reason for the Saints' success is how good they've been at stopping the run over the last several years, except for when they play Philadelphia, of course, for some reason. But I just think the one limitation that you saw with the Saints was maybe Quan Alexander maybe a little unsound at times in, in filling his gaps. That is not a problem that Pete Werner has. And so as you talk about them being good against the run, I think they can only improve and get better uh, with Pete Werner as a full-time starter. I, I really think he, he can run sideline to sideline. He's physical and he can cover too. So I really think with him, they've got a guy next to Demario Davis that is the perfect complement, maybe even more so than Quan Alexander. I think that's an upgrade. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him play, and I'm looking forward to Paulson Adebo, who in year two, I think, hopefully develops and steps up his game to where you see a couple young players ascending. At Andrew Juge on Twitter, that's how you follow him. That's J-U-G-E is how you spell the last name. Uh, Andrew, I, I say this pretty much every year, but maybe in different words so I don't get too redundant on my show, but the NFL and maybe sports in general, because the other sports do it too, American sports is the only thing where you constantly see letter grades when, you know, it should always be incomplete. Like rarely, rarely do you see an article after a game now, you know, where it's like, give me a letter grade for the team's performance today in each unit. I'm not saying those don't happen, but you don't, you don't really, they, they don't draw the same attention as this trade just took place. How did this guy grade it? How did that guy grade it? How did that guy grade it? Oh, the draft just happened. Let's go look at every single grade. Now, outside of maybe uh, some super fans that want to, 
you know, expose a bad old take from some writer that doesn't cover their team that maybe they gave the Saints a C in 2017. And then years later, they they bring it on Twitter. They're like, ha look at this jabroni. But like, my point is, you don't really remember who gave grades or what grades they gave to a team after, for the most part, right? They're, they're, they're kind of pointless now because you're going to grade this draft a couple of years from now. And I'm not trying to throw water on this thing, right? You, you have an idea. And if you're uh, somebody that's an analyst and watches it, I mean, you're going to have a strong opinion about it. But the, the draft is just so unpredictable. It really is. And my thing is you got some fans that are upset because the Saints gave up too much. You have others that are celebrating because, man, I, this is what the mock draft said they needed. I, as a fan, know that they needed a receiver and an O-lineman, so I'm really excited. Do we, uh, dare I say it, this is going to sound ridiculous, Andrew, it's certainly for something that you and I do with what you work on and what I work in, do we overanalyze the draft in the moment? Oh, without, without question. I think part of it has to do with the buildup. Uh, and, and there's just so much time that leading up to it to where by the time it gets there, we've all done a million mock drafts. We've all looked at a million mock drafts. Uh, we all know these prospects probably way, we've studied them way more than we should. Uh, and, and it's one of those things where I think the buildup leading up to it is just, uh, it, it's too much time, you know? And so by, by the time we get to it, uh, we're all very prepared in the media, I think. And so, Listen, that's part of it. I, I think grading a draft right after it happens is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, how, how could we possibly know what kind of grade we could assign to a team unless you can project how these players are going to play? And, and, and the reality is NFL teams don't know, so we certainly don't either. And, and you know, you can have an idea. You, you can see the vision. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's really up to these players and how they develop over time. And, and as we know, in the NFL injuries, I mean, there's a wide variance depending on a lot of factors. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I will tell you this. Um, when this draft started, I said that if the Saints can secure a receiver and a tackle, that are long-term starters for them, and they find a safety, then I would consider this draft a win. And now they didn't get a safety in the draft. They got a receiver and a tackle and Olave and Penning. And those are major positions of need. And I think the offensive staff is really celebrating. Jameis Winston, I know, is probably the happiest guy in the building uh, to make those two acquisitions in the draft because that's not only going to help him this year, that's going to help the Saints long term. And if he sticks around, uh, you know, those are guys that he'll be able to lean on for a long time. So, so that's a huge positive. Uh, but then they get Teron Matthew right after the draft, and they get their safety. So that's not part of the draft. Teron Matthew wouldn't count as a letter grade uh, if, if you were grading the draft. But that's the other thing about you know the whole offseason, I think, needs to be graded in totality. If, if you're going to say a, a team failed to add this position or they failed to add this, it can't be looked at in isolation with the draft alone because there are other methods and ways that you can bolster your roster, be it through free agency, be it through trade, be it through uh, after the draft, getting undrafted rookies. So there's a number of ways to bolster your roster, and the Saints have always been very good at not only the draft but other ways. Look, Demario Davis, one of the best acquisitions in team history as a free agent. And, uh, you know, they, they've made trades in the past uh, that have bolstered them, like Hollis Thomas, you know, early in, in 2006. So, you know, there, there's been a number of times, I think, where the Saints have acquired players. I mean, undrafted rookies, you can look at Pierre Thomas, Lance Moore. I mean, there's been a number of 
undrafted guys that have been very successful for the Saints. So, um, look, overall, I think the Saints did a good job of bolstering their roster after what I thought was a really quiet free agency period. Uh, they've made a lot of noise here in the last few days, and I don't think they're done yet. You say you don't think they're done yet. What's what's something you see potentially happening next? Well, I think they want to take a look at the running backs they have in the building. Uh, look, Mark Ingram's a good player, and, and I think he's a good backup that they trust. But at the same time, there's a good chance that Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended at some point this year, whether that's going to be four games, six games, uh, due to his trouble in the offseason out in Las Vegas. I, I believe they need to prepare for that. And so you have to ask yourself, is Mark Ingram at a stage in his life and in his career where he can go four straight weeks getting 20, 25 touches? I believe the answer to that question is no. I, I don't think he can deal with that kind of wear and tear at this stage of his career. So when you look at Mark Ingram, I, I think what's important is to have someone that can kind of shoulder the load with him if and when Alvin Kamara is out. And so maybe that's Tony Jones Jr. Maybe that's Abram Smith, the guy that they just got as an undrafted rookie out of Baylor who uh, has promising uh, potential so far. Uh, but I still would like to see a veteran in the mix. And look, if Tony Jones Jr. or Abram Smith beat out a veteran and, and they end up getting the job, then that's great. Uh, but I think running back is the one position that really sticks out to me. Uh, otherwise, look, I, I'd love to have Quan Alexander back, if nothing else, but for competition. I'd love to have Jarvis Landry just as competition in the receiver room. Realistically, do either of those guys accept a role where they might not be the starter uh, and where they might not be getting paid what they feel like they deserve. Uh, I, I think both of those are unrealistic, but I'm never going to be against bolstering any position group, and I still think you could find room for a defensive tackle. Uh, but at the end of the day, tight end is another position where I'd love to see another guy, but ultimately uh, running back's the one where I feel like if they add a veteran, that might be the spot. Yeah, they need help at running back. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm, I've been – you know, hammering that door for a while and tied in as well to your point, but they might just be rolling with what they got right now. Uh, I know they have one UDFA that's a tied in. Who knows? It's UDFA. Um, Deshaun Dixon's a UDFA as a receiver and a guy that uh, he's the only one that I saw play. Now I saw him play in person and he's from New Orleans. He played at Nichols State. He is really, really good. I mean, he was doing things you know, at Nichols against top 25 teams that you just looked on the field and you said that guy could play on Sundays. And I, I don't, I don't know, you know, how that's going to translate, but you know, one of our listeners just asked, does he have a chance of making the team? And my thing is, listen, at receiver for the saints, I think you do, you know, I mean, like you, you've, you've addressed it with, uh, Alave, which did Ralph come up with the Alave garden thing, or did he just steal that from someone? Uh, no, but I mean, that, that's what we were doing. Uh, you know, teasing Dave, Dave, yeah. Dave, Dave Cariello hates Olive Garden. So any chance to bring that up? I, just, is, uh, I, I, I didn't fun. remember who was the first one that said it, but Chris Olave, look, you, you've, you, you, you addressed the need partially, but as we know, the receiving core needed a whole lot of help last year. I mean, if there's a position for UDFA to stick, I'm looking at the ones where, Man, they're shorthanded right here. And he's the only one I saw play. I'm not going to act like I sat down and watched a ton of film on the guy from Montana. But uh, as far as Dixon goes, I mean, I, I'd give him as good a chance as any in terms of the UDFAs. Yeah, there's one guy in particular, uh, Rashid Shahid, who um, 
the Saints picked up, and he actually holds the FCS record for most return touchdowns in, in a career. Um, and so he, more than Deontay Harris, and so or Deontay Hardy, excuse me now. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's going to be competition for – look, we, we know that if you're going to be a reserve receiver, uh, your way onto the roster is through special teams. Right. And in Shahid, I, I think he's going to give Deontay Hardy a run for his money in terms of having a role as a return man. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but he's certainly a guy that I like a lot. Um, and uh, it's interesting that you bring up the tight end, Lucas Kroll. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is, yeah, I watched so much tape on the quarterbacks, and in particular Kenny Pickett, uh, that this guy was on my radar because he played at Pitt, and he was one of the red zone targets for Kenny Pickett. He was the guy that Pickett, I think he had six receiving touchdowns on the year, and uh, he was the guy that Pickett would go to in the red zone at times. So uh, a very athletic tight end. Uh, no surprise, uh, athletically, the Saints like guys that have a raz over eight or nine. Uh, and, and that's out of 10 and, you know, his RAS score is very high. Uh, and so that's another guy that I think has the potential to make the team. And we talk about the saints being thin at tight end. We talked about Abram Smith, you know, again, the running back out of Baylor, that's a position that's thin for the saints. So those are a couple guys that I could see making some, some noise and potentially making the team. Andrew Juge has been our guest. Uh, as far as UDFAs goes, he and his crew, at the Saints happy or they draft UDFAs every year and then they you know I guess the the one that turns out great they just basically have bragging rights um which is a good bit of the show it's fun if you never listen and most of you have right it, I know you guys have a lot of listeners here in the Lafayette area uh go check out subscribe the Saints happy hour podcast and see what uh Juge and Ralph and Dave and Kevin are cooking up Juge, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you were up late last night with the uh, the Saints megacast, and I don't know what time it was for Tomas in Poland, but uh, appreciate you coming on as always, man, and uh, enjoy your work, and we'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. You got it. Andrew Juge, give him a follow on Twitter at Andrew Juge. That is J-U-G-E. When we come back, got some more uh, emails to sort through. Some thoughts on the difference in how PED users are viewed in various sports. Going to dig into that, including DeAndre Hopkins' own statement after the news came out last night he'd be suspended for six games, which I think adds another layer to usually how the public reacts to it. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. What's up? Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Jay Walker in studio next hour with me. 
hit on the Cajun Diamond Sports. NIL transfer rule impact on college sports. We'll put a new tune into the Terrible Tune Tuesday Hall of Fame and more. DeAndre Hopkins last night put out the following message on his social media platforms. In my 10-year NFL career, I have never tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. To learn that my November test came back with trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and have always taken a holistic approach, so I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. But even as careful as I have been, clearly I wasn't careful enough. For that, I apologize to Cardinals fans, my teammates, and the entire Cardinals organization. I never want to let my team down. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. I'll hold my breath on the share part. I'm not saying I don't believe him. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying that what he put out there is honestly what every athlete should put out there. An apology coupled with, I don't know how it happened. I didn't intentionally do it, but here we are. That, in the court of public opinion, is the best way to go. Many won't believe you. A lot of the people in the fan base of the team will. And that's how it goes. But when it comes to the court of public opinion, PEDs are viewed different sport to sport. You know, Juge brought up Mark Ingram in the last segment. Ingram suspended first four games of what was it, the 2019 season? 2018 season, was it? One of those. 2019 season. And, you know, it wasn't, man, can't believe he did this or what is he doing or how could what's his deal or I, I view him completely different as a player and a personnel none of that and, and, it, and honestly probably shouldn't have been it was really just about the impact on the team happens in olympics man certain countries let's put them in jail take away the medals ban them change everything Put them on the stand. Happens in baseball. Let's get Congress involved. Especially if you were not always hunky-dory with the media in that sport. I mean, as, as one of our listeners pointed out last hour, David Ortiz, big pappy. Everyone loved him. Media loved him. Happy-go-lucky. First ballot? What? Barry Bonds doesn't get in? Roger Clemens don't get in? Did they do roids? Yeah. Along with a whole lot of Major League Baseball during a certain era. Do you think DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to go into the Hall of Fame when he finishes his NFL career? Are you kidding me? Of course he is. Do you think now he's going to be talked about in a different light when it comes to who are the best receivers in the game? No. No. And... and in the NFL and in the other sports, it may not matter as much how you talk to the media. In baseball, it does. And you have some older writers, and baseball is more traditional, and baseball is more records-driven. There's a number of reasons why, but so much of it goes back to how the sport is consumed and how it is delivered by the media. 
337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Uh, are there any um, NFL players or former NFL players in the Hall of Fame who admitted to using um, steroids, PEDs? I don't know if there's but any that to... admitted to it, but, I mean, you go back to the you know 70s and early 80s, and it was like everybody talks about how prevalent it was. I mean, Jack Lambert, I don't know if he ever admitted it, but, you know, it's been talked about quite a bit. Um just all, Jack Lambert of the Steelers. Okay, I mean, yeah. but pretty much the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like we're talking about the, the, dyna- the about dynasty. Jim yeah, Jim Haslett. He's in, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he admitted he's like yeah, yeah I did steroids. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I did it, and and so did almost everyone else. I think that was his exact comment. So, um, it you're talking about a team that a team that many view as the greatest dynasty ever, and Roy's were rampant, but they were probably rampant you know, across the NFL at the time, some some form of it. And it's just kind of not talked about a ton when you talk about think, the, the sport. I just think with football being such a violent, dangerous sport, contact sport, I think fans kind of like, oh, you know, I guess you need something to try to uh, bounce back. You know, you're getting hit constantly. So I guess there's some type of sympathy for uh Athletes who play yeah, I get, but no, I, I don't. I don't agree because I don't see a lot of sympathy for the poor players that get addicted to opioids and painkillers and everything that happened after. I mean, I would like to see more of it. I, I don't know that it's a, it's an ex- yeah I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's a it's a an empathy thing. I honestly, I just you're talking. I mean, again, we can bring up the Steelers, but I'll do it again. I mean, the '70 Steelers steroids were so much a part of a dynasty. So you're talking about championships, and uh, I don't know. Okay, that's, that, that's, that's, ba- that's barely part of the story. It, like, you, 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 it's, you it's right, a cliff man. note. If if you found out that a team, you know that that a, a Yankees team, let's say a Yankees team was just cheating out the wazoo, winning multiple titles, and were a dynasty, it would be maybe the the Yankees. They the media loves the Yankees. Pick a team, right? It would just be viewed totally different. No one talks about that when they talk about the Steelers. Right? They don't. As a matter of fact, you're right. I basically answered uh, my own question. You, you keep talking about the Steelers. You mentioned him. Uh, the center. The center who played for the Steelers. Yeah. He, he, he's, a, he's a Webster. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Nate Webster. Is no, that, was that his uh, name? Mike. Is it Mike? Oh, Mike Webster. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah. He was, uh, he, yeah, he was in the league a long time. I, don't, I mean, I don't yeah, remember. He, he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't remember. Um, he died of CTE, I think, which is, you know. Um, which is sad. You know, he died very young, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, we're, we're, never, okay, I'm tripping. He never made it to steroid use. I, I don't. I, he he. If he did, I don't remember. Um, I, I don't. Okay, I don't. Yeah, I don't know my, that. I'm I don't sorry, know that he apologies. admitted it. But again, go. You know, I think there was a suit against the NFL pension fund and statements from doctors and Webster that he experimented with steroids. So I think it was public, but it was part of a. It was part of a lawsuit against the league. It wasn't. It was like part of a, a, a leak. It wasn't like, um, you know, um, I'm telling the whole world I did this. But yes, it was. It was out there. Sadly, I mean, he died at 50 years old. It's just, it's, it's awful. I mean, you think about the things that it did to a lot of players that that are that are no longer with us. And I don't know, man. It, the, the whole idea of steroids and sports, how it's viewed differently from sport to sport. I don't know that there's 
enough empathy in terms of what it what it does to so many of these guys long term. It's more like, oh well, look what it did to his foot. Therefore, it's proof. Therefore, keep him out of the Hall of Fame. It's like, well, man, what's it? What's it? What's it doing to his mood? What's it doing to his, you know, quality of life many years from now? I don't know. It's all, it's all twisted. But now in 2022, it's oh, he did PEDs. Oh, he's suspended for how long? Okay, how does that impact the team? How does that impact the fantasy team? He says he didn't do it. I don't believe him. But oh well. Let's move on to the next thing. Hey man, I'm gonna uh, close with this. Look, I don't believe in players getting hurt. You know, I don't want nobody to just go out and be like, you know what? I want this player just out, just injured. But, man, Jay Crowder, man, he makes it hard, man. <laughs> that, that guy makes it hard, man, for for not to see someone just put him out, man. Uh, I don't know what it is about him. I never cared for him. And he's, he's just to he, me, he's a dirty player on the cool, man. He, he, he's dirty. He flops. He gets under my skin, and I'm not even playing the game, but he gets under the skin of the opponent. He's also He's also a fake tough guy. I mean, I think about his teammate. Well, who's not, basically exposed him. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not. I, I rem, I'm, you know, I know his teammate. He's not getting really any minutes this postseason. But I remember Alfred Payton going at, at Jay Crowder when he took a three years ago late in the game, and it was sort of one of those unwritten rules deal. And Alfred wasn't backing down, and he pushed him, and Crowder just kind of stood there like, "Wait, what did I? What did I do?" It's like you know, you know exactly what you were doing, dude. And and once once it was time to face the music, he didn't want any of the smoke. <laughs> I guess uh, I know CP3 get uh, labeled as a dirty player from time to time, so I'm teaming up with him. I'm sure he learned some new tricks. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I man, mean, I'm a hypocrite. I, I like I like players like that on the teams I root for, and I I can't stand them when they're on the opponent. But you know, I'm, that's just that's the fan in me. I can't help it. Like I said, I, someone needs to Jokic him. I, I would love to see that. But look, you have a. a a good one, and thank you. Appreciate it, Jay. Don't go anywhere from Jay to Jay. Jay Walker in studio. We're back in two minutes hitting on transfer portal discussion. I want to get his thoughts on a little Cajun Diamond Sports and a new tune in the TTT Hall of Fame. All coming your way next hour. Back in two on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.